Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. G'day, Lewis. How are you? Good, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. What, what, could, what could possibly be stopping me from being as good as I've ever been? <laughs> no, nothing in the news in particular. <laughs> uh, first of all, I wanted to say a big shout-out to our new Patreon supporters, Damien Pine and Philip Boothby. Thank you so much to everyone who joins us on Patreon because it helps us make this show every week. Another way you can support Irrational Fear is to offset the carbon emissions of your car with a Go Neutral sticker. For every $90 sticker, Go Neutral will buy 3.5 tonnes of carbon offsets, which is about the yearly emissions for your average car and five bucks of that comes to us. Uh, I should make a point here, Lewis, that uh, the onus shouldn't be on the individual. We need to get big polluters <laughs> to pay for the pollution. But before we do that, boy, it feels nice to just drive around knowing that my emissions are offset and I got a little sticker that to virtue signal to all of my other people on the road. It feels it's good. great. I, I ride a scooter, so uh, if I go neutral, that'll cover me for like Two lifetimes. <laughs> you're, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. Yeah. Also, another thing, Lewis, uh, this is mm. a good big announcement and a big thank you to everyone who listens to this show because on the weekend we got nominated for Best Comedy Podcast at the Australian Podcast Awards. So thank you very yeah. much. The last time we lost that award, uh, we lost it on the night of uh, the last Australian election. <laughs> so uh, if you recall, we were all sitting in the crowd just watching our phones the whole time going, I, this Us winning yeah. or losing this award is less important than the other win or loss happening in the country right now. Yes, that's right. I totally forgot about that. We are up against some good people, though, improv tunes. A couple of comedians called Hamish and Andy, I've never heard of them, um, Matt Dower and Tony Martin Sizzletown and uh, our friends, Dragon Friends, featuring your Triple J colleague, Michael Hing. Um, what will you I do know. if Hing beats us? <laughs> Honestly, if I lose to Michael Hing... I'm going to have to quit. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like sort of uh, like Trump about a week ago when he was talking about Joe Biden just being like, I'm going to lose to that guy, <laughs> that guy. Well, like we, I, I can't lose to Michael Hing. My pride won't allow it. We need your help as well. Go to australianpodcastawards.com forward slash vote and vote for us in the People Choice Awards. And uh, if you do, uh, Lewis and I will read out all 3,000 of your names. 
I mean, sure. It's a it's a it's a new podcast we're starting. Uh, Lewis and Dan read things. Uh, I'm recording my end. Well, that is actually that's just every other podcast that does like mm-hmm. Wikipedia <laughs> true crime stuff. They read out Wikipedia entries. Hmm. I'm recording my end of irrational fear on Gadigal land in the Yora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, fair come. And section 44. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, in the Queensland election, one nation suffers the most humiliating decline since Pauline Hanson's descent down Uluru. And Gladys Berejiklian promises to open the New South Wales Victoria border by mid November, and millions of Melbourneites promise to wall it back up again. And researchers have discovered that November is the longest month of 2020, and they haven't even seen December 2020 yet. This podcast was recorded on the 5th of November, 8 pm. If you're listening to us from the future, we want to say we're sorry. The world is a scary place. That's why you're listening to Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear. Hello and welcome to Irrational Fear that gives you the scared, a sweaty hand to hold. I'm your host, Dan Illich, former spiritual advisor to the president. Uh, And this week... We've got some great fear mongers. She's a writer, performer and musician and proof that even though you live in the central west of New South Wales, you can make a big on TikTok. It's Gabby Bolt. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Gabby, you've That's blown That's going to go in my grave. You've blown up on TikTok writing Ospol musicals. Has anyone given you a sponsorship endorsement yet? No, all I've received is a flag from 2007 in the mail from good old Kevin Rudd, uh, oh, which was nice. A friend of it's Kevin, nice. very nice. I thought uh, I- yeah, I've, I've got got him in the camera roll and everything now. Right. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that's all. I, no other political donations, please. In, in the um, pocket of I, Big I, Rudd. And he's a writer, yeah. performer and tormentor of the Taliban. It's the satirist, satirist, it's Sammy Shah. <laughs> G'day, Sammy. I just want to make it clear that uh, the Taliban and I have mended fences now. <laughs> and we all find ourselves on... Uh, a, a, surprisingly, they are in agreement with me about a lot of things. They like watching repeats of the, you know, or binge-watching The Wire during lockdown. Um, they love listening to ambient sound podcasts as well, different ambient sounds than myself. But, you sure. know, there's a lot of overlap, turns out. Sammy, can I ask you this? You know, American democracy is slowly breaking down. Do you have any advice for Americans on how to live with a military coup? Oh, look, okay. So the first trick is you have to have an assassination plan in place. All right, so in Pakistan in um, 1988, uh, we had to get creative. We had a dictator for 10 years at that point. We knew we had to do something. So we filled a crate of mangoes with uh, explosives and put that on this plane and the plane exploded because the mangoes exploded. So, you know, you got to think outside the box. <laughs> like, no one's getting in a library with a rifle anymore. That shit doesn't work, all right? It's so, very right, old creative. The other thing you have to understand is... Um, Dictators aren't that bad, you know. They uh, they have <laughs> uniforms usually. Uh, they build statues. Everyone gets a job in statue building industry. It's a very high growth industry. All of a sudden, if you're a bit torture. You are, this is a buyer's market, all right? So you really need to hone up those skills now. And finally, he's the permanent guest of the Australian Podcast Award-nominated comedy podcast, Irrational Fear. It's Lewis Hover. Hello, Dan. Yeah, I'm also a permanent guest on Hamish and Andy. (laughs) Coming up, we have independent (laughs) member for Warringah, the Honourable Starley Stegall MP. She joins us to talk about her massive week coming up. Uh, Also, we want to ask her what it feels like to beat Tony Abbott, uh, figuratively, of course. But first... 
we have a sponsor. G'day, I'm Russell Crowe. In Australia, we're lucky. We live in a peaceful democracy with universal healthcare and BPAY. But others around the world aren't so fortunate. They live each day with no access to doctors, education and are forced to drink filter coffee. Their cities are mired in civil unrest. Their people are threatened by local militia with poor fashion sense. And to make matters worse, they don't have sweet chilli sauce. They are Americans. But for just a dollar a day, you can sponsor an American. At Globe Vision's Adopt an American program, we'll pair you up with an American in need and we'll build cafes in their neighbourhood that serve non-processed food and flat whites. We'll send a doctor that will bulk bill and distribute pharmaceuticals that they won't have to sell their house to receive. And each month, you'll get a photo of your American and they'll send you a ballot for a vote that they wanted to cast but couldn't because they had an outstanding parking ticket or moved house on Thursday or some other obscure bullshit. So give an American some hope and a decent chance at a good espresso. It works. I've been part of the Australian Adopted Kiwi program and look at me. I'm Russell Crowe. Ah, very good. It's a worthy cause there. Uh, Excellent. There's a lot of stuff going on in the news. I don't know if you noticed that. James Packers Crown could lose their casino licence in New South Wales. The the largest battery in the Southern Hemisphere is coming to Victoria. But there's only one story everyone's talking about. Yes, Boy George is going to be recording a Christmas song with Delta Goodrum. OMG. What do you guys think? No, no, no. no. Of course. And good. (laughs) So he should. Uh, Now, we're talking about, of course, the election. Uh, As of recording right now, we don't know who will be president. Biden is only about six electoral college votes away from winning. Um, But by the time this podcast comes out, who knows, maybe the next president of the United States could be Eric Trump. We don't know. Uh, The counting continues. The protests have started. There are protests everywhere from Michigan to Portland and even in Maricopa County in uh, in Arizona. Fear mongers. I'm going to play you a grab of some of these protests and I want want you to tell me who is protesting and what are they chanting. Uh, And Gabby has thankfully made us a theme song for this, so let me play that as well. Here we go. Sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're ranting. Let's play who is protesting and what are they chanting? Very good. Okay, you guys ready to play? My finest uh, word. Who is protesting? <laughs> what are they chanting? All right, first up, here we go. Folks, stop the stop the count. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. They they could be. Yes, perhaps they are indeed. Some of them are saying stop the count. What are the others? What are the others saying? Count all the votes. Count all the votes. Yes, they are. They are. They are. And who are they? Are they Trump or Biden supporters? Or Trump supporters. Yes, and you are right. That you are level right. of inconsistency. Yeah, but only because that level of that level of inconsistency can only come from one side of the political divide, which is the Trump supporters. You know, and they are very much the stab themselves in the face while not knowing that they're shooting themselves in the back kind of approach I, I to politics. Re- yeah, I can relate though. Like when I was in year 11 and 12, I was protesting mathematics as well. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> as the only non, um, I, I believe the technical term is non-white uh, <laughs> over here right now. Um, 
all the supporters or all the protesters on both sides of the stop the count, do the count, are all white from the footage. Yeah. Is, is this a cultural thing that I don't understand? This like the uh, the affectation of for mayonnaise or the love of uh, DNA testing? Like it's a white cultural thing that I oh, don't yeah. get. Actually, Sammy, I think this is proving the point of so many white supremacists for so long, which is that not all white people are the same. Some white people want to stop the counts and stub, they want to keep the counts going. You know, we're a diverse people with diverse interests. It just seems like a sequel to Eat, Pray, Love. Just shout, get angry, contradict each other. All right. Let's play the next round of... Sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're ranting. Let's play who is protesting and what are they chanting? All right, round two. Here we go. Are they mad at Fox? Yeah, mad at Fox, but who is mad at Fox? I mean, Trump, they supporters? Look, Trump supporters? Trump supporters are mad at Fox. In what world? <laughs> okay, so Trump supporters are mad at Fox because they are protesting. Uh, these Trump supporters are at the Capitol and they're protesting because Fox made the call that Joe Biden was going to win Arizona. <laughs> <sighs> That makes sense. We don't like the news. <laughs> oh, wait, you know what? That's not even a joke. That's just pretty much their tagline. No it? more facts. No yeah. more facts. There's apparently, there's a there's a story um, that apparently, and this is like, it's an insider source thing, but that uh, Trump got angry, called up Rupert Murdoch and yelled at him about the Arizona account and Rupert Murdoch didn't back down. And this trouble in paradise. This- I mean, this is the most <laughs> tragic breakup since uh, Miley Cyrus and the Hemsworth son, you know, boys. Like, again. this is as much of a heartbreaking thing. Right. Like, you'd think some love would last forever, but clearly nothing means anything in this bullshit world. It's, and you know, of course, yeah. it's a day after he endorses the petition, too, eh? That would be the next step. Yeah, yeah. Trump on Twitter being like, sign this petition. Yeah. I'm really heartbroken. He's going to be signing that on, on Monday straight away. <laughs> Too late. And finally, here we go. Sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're ranting. Let's play who is protesting and what are they chanting? And finally, this one. Family steal the election. The media is covering it up. The Biden crime family steal this election. The media is covering it up. The Biden crime family steal this election. The media is covering it up. We want our freedom for the world. Give us our freedom, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is covering up this election. He's stealing that. Okay. So, who, who is he? What is he chanting? <laughs> I, th- I think it's Nick Nolte. I think Nick Nolte is trying to get an Oscar for something. <laughs> yeah, or Gary Busey. Yeah. <laughs> that um, man has big Busey energy. Can I, can I just say, at heart, I've never agreed with a T-shirt more. <laughs> I've never had a, t- a barbecue beer freedom. Has never, I've never felt more seen than by that T-shirt. Nothing is more attractive. <laughs> Nothing is more attractive than that shirt. It's, all, it's also, it's a 4th of July top, uh, and I reckon that guy has probably been wearing it since the 4th of July <laughs> and has been really enjoying the beer part of that shirt. My favourite part about that video, I saw that video earlier today, is definitely the guy giving the press conference maybe waits a solid three beats for the guy to just slowly walk yeah. back in the building and then just kind of turns around and he's like, all right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, at what point do you just expect chaos? 
yeah, I feel like, like that America are just they're waiting for everyone to yell at their press conferences. It, he he the problem was he wasn't expecting everyone to give him his freedom. Like he was waiting to get tackled or grabbed or something, and he's like, Oh no. It appears the third part of my shirt was already allowed. <laughs> I guess I'll just walk myself out. I guess I'll just head back to this barbecue. What the hell? Oh, I'm three out of three. You're listening to a rational fear. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. By the time this podcast comes out, you probably already know who's president. We can we can only tell you things that we already it's know. It's that guy. It's the barbecue it's be that guy. Uh, freedom shirt guy. I, I uh, he, re- he reached across the aisle. He's like, what's three things we can all agree on? <laughs> <laughs> so in the last couple of days, what we've seen is uh, Trump declaring that he's won, uh, only if people have stopped counting. Uh, Biden managed to flip four states. Trump managed to flip out. Things got so bad that Kanye West sent every American a hologram ghost of their dead democracy. Even former Australian ambassador to the United States and alleged treasurer for sale, Joe Hockey, got in on the action saying the vote was rigged in Washington, D.C. This is him on Ben Fordham's program earlier this week. You know, there are 10,000 different organisations that are responsible for setting the rules for the U.S. presidential election, 10,000. In Australia, you have the Australian Electoral Commission, thank God, that governs the rules for federal laws, uh, for federal elections. In the US, there are 10 every state, and then you have counties and you have cities. And if there's a strong bias one way or the other, they do everything they can to either suppress the vote or to, to uh, you know, to increase the vote. It's just, it's, it's, it's a mess. So there's a chance that electoral fraud has happened? Oh, for sure. I mean, it will be. But the question is whether it's enough to change the election outcome. And I doubt it is. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. You know, last night in Washington, D.C., 93% of the city voted for Joe Biden. 93%. Even my best booth in Longueville, God bless them, when the Kidmans were handing out for the Labor Party, even my best booth, I got 83%. 93% in a city. I find it hard to believe. So He finds it hard to believe. Wow. Oh, my God. Didn't, didn't it honestly live in Washington? Yeah, and it honestly feels like at the, for the first part of that interview, he's reading a pamphlet that he's just found out, that he's just picked up out of the place. He's like, do you know, do you know that they have counties? Yeah. No, it, it, oh, what a world. Joe, Whoa. Joe, Joe Hockey on, on 2GB sounds like a guy that's just listened to a lot of American political podcasts and is just trying to recall yeah. them. Yeah, he's your friend on Mushroom. He's just like... My favourite thing is him not considering that a, that a candidate can get higher than 83%. And also, like, the, the, the history of that is, like, no Democrat has got under 90% in Washington. 15 years. Like, Hillary Clinton got 91%. Yeah. Obama got 92%. You're just like, man, you're, the, you're our diplomat to that country and, every, like, everyone knows this shit. What is <laughs> wrong with you? Ambassador. I'm just recognizing But that's, that. not, that's not accurate. Seriously, we keep forgetting. He wasn't our diplomat. We stole him. He was our ambassador to America. We just exiled him there. That was supposed to be his, uh, you know, he, his prison sentence. It yeah. was his Guantanamo Bay where he was supposed to go there and never come back. I don't know how he got back in. Maybe well, normally you'd have, call, you'd have called getting the plum position in America failing upwards in, in like any other mm-hmm. generation except this one where you are like, Joe thinks this is a plum <laughs> position, but uh, we're sending him to the apocalypse. 
<laughs> yeah, there are people right now who, who are the ambassador to Syria who are like, thank God I did not get that American game. That must be bananas. Here's the thing I like about Joe Hockey, all right? And I do like one thing about Joe Hockey is that Joe Hockey is actually just a random factoid that I don't know why I have in my head, but he's actually a Palestinian-Armenian. So he's not actually a white guy. And his real name I'm not making this up. You can look this up. It's Joe Hockedonian, but they changed it to hockey to improve his chances, you know, in, in the family's chances in resettling into him in Australia. If Joe Hockedonian had been running for politics, he would be in the green spot right now, <laughs> sitting in the seat of Brunswick, all right? He would not be the ambassador to America. And Sammy, that's the only reason why he was only treasurer. He would have been prime minister if they'd said it to, if they changed the name to Joe Cricket. <laughs> Here's the thing though, they, to his credit, they did offer it to him. Apparently at one point, Tony Abbott did ask him if he wanted to be the leader of the Liberal Party and Joe said no because he wasn't w- willing to give up on competitions trading. This is a true story. I don't know why I know this much about Joe Hockey, all right? I do. But there's, so there's a few things that are interesting about him. He, he, you know, he's actually a Palestinian-Armenian. He almost became the leader of the Liberal Party, and he thinks no one can be more popular than him when it turns out that's actually pretty common in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when you're literally chased out of a country for being a reviled treasurer with one of the worst budgets in living memory, you're like, and people, people don't like me. It's wild. Yeah. Irrational fear. As everyone who knows me knows, I want to make it perfectly clear to the community I have evil in my heart. Your fear is rational. Our final fear for uh, this week, Georgia Democratic organisers are calling out people to go to tally rooms to cure ballots. Fearmongers, when you hear the term curing ballots, what do you think that means? Just uh, leaving them uh, for several months <laughs> in a brine. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I thought. <laughs> Bri- when you put them in brine is when you pickle them. Oh. <laughs> the pickled, yeah, that's pickled ballots, everyone. Uh, You're all wrong. Yeah, Sorry, right. guys. curing is hanging them in the sun. Right. Oh, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, here's the thing. If a ballot has a mismatched mismatch signature or the signature is missing on the ballots, it could be thrown out. Uh, or if people have forgotten to sign the back <laughs> of a return envelope or failed to get the witness to fill out their witness information correctly, the, the ballot could be completely thrown out. So... What's happening is volunteers are being asked to go down and sit in a room and call everyone who voted and made a, made a mistake on their ballot to, to rectify this ballot. It's an elaborate process. So they've got to sign out an affidavit and, and fax that affidavit in or, or mail that aff- or send that affidavit in with a copy of their, their driver's licence to get that ballot revalidated. It's like so much paperwork if you make one little mistake. It, it, I, I barely pass the HSC. I don't think I could pass America. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, America's failing all on its own. (laughs) This week is also strange for another reason in US politics, one that affects us. The United States has formally left the Paris Agreement this week. Three years ago, Trump pulled out, which is normally a good thing when he pulls out, but sadly it undermines this really important work. Our next guest was elected on her green credentials. She's a barrister, Olympian, an independent member for Warringah. It's Zali Stegel, OAM MP. G'day, Zali. Thanks for joining us. Zali, it's uh, absolutely our privilege to have you with us um, this week and um, because on Monday something incredibly important is going to happen and I can't help but feel like once again it's kind of been overshadowed by the moment we're living in right now. (laughs) 
Well, yes and no. I actually picked it on purpose because I figured we were either going to be in a good place worldwide in terms of climate uh, and we could reverse the decision that Trump took in terms of pulling the US out of the Paris Agreement or the rest of the world's got to get its skates on and counter the impact of the US going rogue when it comes to climate. So either way, I reckoned Monday the 9th is a really important day for us to put a plan in place and uh, get on with uh, lowering our emissions. Tell us from the very start, what is going to happen on Monday and what, what, how do you think it'll go? Sure. Uh, well, look, obviously, as an independent, I am actually came into Parliament mainly to try and actually stop the weaponised, you know, debate we've had in Australia around climate change and put forward a sensible plan down the middle. Uh, so trying to bring bipartisanship to this so that we can actually have a plan. So I'm introducing <coughs> legislation that is in, it's actually conservative UK legislation that was passed in the UK, but with bipartisan support. So completely <coughs> no reason why coalition can't accept it here and actually the UK Prime Minister is calling on the Morrison government to get in, get on board with the same commitment of net zero by 2050. So the legislation is coming on Monday to the Parliament presenting it. Uh, there'll be a fair bit of stuff around it. My fellow crossbenchers will be speaking on it and I've invited the Prime Minister to, to actually take the lead and, you know, uh, actually be the leader Australia needs him to be at the moment. That's very generous of you. Have there been any examples where he's done that in the last uh, little bit that we can see? <laughs> well, look, he had a false start around 2020 with the bushfires. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give you that. I wasn't very impressed with that part of it. But, look, during the pandemic we have. We've seen the Prime Minister, we've seen Premiers stand up with the scientists, give us good factual justification for policy, and it works, and the Australian people have overwhelmingly complied. I mean, apart from a few people protesting, we've really had whole of society getting on board with the measures needed. And we, I reckon we're leading the world in terms of how well we've done economically and health-wise on the pandemic. So, it's, it's amazing what can happen when you listen to a bunch of scientists who actually know what they're talking about. Well, you know, look, but you have to have policy based on facts and science. And we know with climate, we need to do the same thing as what we did with the pandemic. The pandemic is a tiny taste of what's to come with climate if we don't get our act together. So I think um, it is a perfect time for the Prime Minister to step up. You're a lot closer to the Prime Minister than I will ever get to be. So I, I have no knowledge of this. Why is it that, if, you know, a pandemic scientist is one that you find believable but a, a climate change scientist is one that he finds that he can't trust. Is this like a Shia Sunni thing or, <laughs> you know, what the belief system deviation here? Question. <laughs> Obviously, one of the horrendous things, you know, 2020 has been challenging on so many fronts, but it has seen that shift towards accepting science. So I think the Prime Minister has to stick to the game. He's set the path on the on the coronavirus pandemic. We need to do the same on, uh, on our emissions. We need to flatten the curve on our emissions. Let's get down to net zero and then we will feel safer. Do you think that, I mean, the, the bushfires were so awful and a lot of people who have been looking for uh, climate change solutions for so long have been worried something like that would have, would have to happen before uh, anyone, or particularly on a, you know, conservative side, took any kind of action. And, and no one wanted that to happen. Obviously, it was devastating. And, but, you know, has it put politics into a position where you think the Prime Minister might be 
I mean, either willing in generously or politically, if you're being ungenerous, forced due to the fact that he, his reputation took such a pounding when he disappeared to Hawaii um, <laughs> that uh, he might be sort of forced to really act this time? Uh, look, I think uh, a, a mixture. You know, I really hope that he is the leader that, you know, he has the opportunity to be and step up to this and bring everyone together. I acknowledge not everyone can agree on this, but we've got a really sensible pathway forward here. And you've got the rest of the world joining in, you know, the UK, Japan, South Korea, France, Germany, it, you know, the list goes on that's committed to net zero by 2050. We don't want to be missing out. We don't want to be behind our trading partners. We need to be on top of this. Now, um, is he going to come there begrudgingly behind the apple or does he take the handbrake off and put us ahead? Um, that's the that's the challenge. And at the end of the day is how do you want to be remembered as, you know, the this parliament and as the prime minister? Uh, we've had a pretty big year already with 2020 and ultimately this is our biggest challenge. So I'm still hopeful to build consensus. You know, I'm not the opposition. I'm an independent. My job is to try and bring people in the room and solve the, you know, try and bring people that are apart to together for a solution. Sammy, yeah, I think you either agree or disagree. Oh, just to change. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I absolutely positively agree. Uh, I, I just want to change... Um, the topic briefly for a moment because I don't know when I'll ever get a chance to ask you this <laughs> otherwise is so when you retrieve the sword from the lake and plunge <laughs> it into the chest of Tony Abbott were you scared of the lizard that would be released from the skin or was your armor going to protect Regardless. Thank you, Sammy. That was actually my next question. That was perfect. <laughs> uh, look, funnily enough, during the campaign, we actually, um, I, I had to match Tony on his sporting prowesses. So, uh, you know, we both participated in the cold classic swim. We both did the local runs. And he actually, with his team of um, bodyguards, did one of the local 5K runs and beat me to the finish line. And they were claiming that was going to be the big win. So, but little did he know that I was saving it really for the big race, which was the important. Yeah, Tony Abbott was always of the belief as a leader that if he could run around the country, that would justify his ability to run it. <laughs> some, pe some people who may be uncharitable might say, what's the point of uh, an independent backbencher throwing this in the ring and, and getting this into parliament? Won't it just get defeated and everybody moves on? What do you say to those people? Well, with due respect, the major parties haven't really gotten us there so far. You know, they've kind of, they keep using the issue of climate as a way of trying to beat the other side and they only really look at their own self-interest. Mm -hmm. We know 80% of Australians are concerned about climate change. Over 60% want us to commit to net zero by 2050. Labor, Labor, you know, they say that they're committed to it, but they don't really have a plan. And the Liberals know and the Coalition know they have to do more or mm. they're under threat from a lot of areas like Warringah that want more action on climate change. So I think I am the perfect person to bring it forward and actually say this isn't about one side's winning over the other. This is actually about the Australian people get to win. So my call has been for all of society to get behind it, to get business, get industry, get health, get environment groups, everyone to come forward and ask for this solution. We've, I think Australia's had enough of the climate wars. We want 2020 to be the year we all move on. Um, like totally, and it's so transparent to see that, particularly on state levels all around the country, uh, and it's so weird just to have this outlier of the federal, the federal coalition just doing F 
all. And it's so, it's just so, it's, it's so frustrating to see this. It's so frustrating to see the lack of leadership when everybody, it would, like the tail is wagging the dog in Australia, like the local governments, the state governments, the corporations, they're all, they're all doing what they can and yet there is no formal action plan from the feds. It's so strange. It's interesting who you think is the tail. See, I think the tail wagging the dog is actually the Matt Canavans and, you know, the far Queensland MPs right. that are hanging on to fossil fuel industry in their electorates and they're only one or two votes and it's all the others that are following this kind of call from these outlying MPs. So I think that's the towel that we need to get rid of so that the dog can get on with the job. As someone who's not a career politician, you know, because that's not your background, no. <laughs> most of the people in Parliament, most of the people in Canberra, this is all they do. This is all they've done. They joined young liberal, young labor when they were teenagers because they were absolute losers. And this is the path they followed. Is it weird? Is it like how do you adapt to that culture? You know, as a person, a civilian and normal human being, a functioning adult prior to this. I think I'm a functioning adult. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> I, I do have. I have had moments where I've been quite astounded by what happens in Parliament and mm. the way some people behave. And when I think that these are the people that are making the laws that are going to regulate everyone's life, it's quite astounding. But, look, there are some good people in Parliament on both sides of the aisle that have a life experience. But if you could ban career politicians or people that have only had experience through the party machine and they have to have a career outside of politics... I think that would be a good thing. It should be, it should be like sports. As soon as they get an injury, they're off. You know, if, if you're doing a job application, yes, you have to show multiple skills. <laughs> um, well, Zali, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. Good luck on Monday. Uh, I, my friend Melvin directed a great little ad to promote the Climate Change Act last week. and It went out last week. It was very moving. Uh, it's a beautiful ad. I'll, I'll share it in the in the show notes when we put the podcast out. It's a, just a kind of gripping cinematic piece about somebody trapped within the fires trying to write a letter to their MP and it's just... It's it's just heartbreaking, and I know Melvin. And uh, I was messaging my 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 wife was messaging him throughout the uh, throughout that period when we had bushfires, and he was actually him and his his family were trapped in fires, and it was, I think all of us were so shook by that moment in January that that was a wake up call that we needed, and sadly COVID came through and wiped out the momentum for it. But I don't think it's gone away. I, I, I honestly think honestly think people are still engaged with this issue and want to see action on this issue and I think you have uh, such a huge backing and uh, I, I just wish you luck. Thank you. Well, I need you guys. I need everybody out there to get behind it and every vote counts. If you can do this, Sally, uh, we will get all of our Patreon subscribers to <laughs> donate a dollar. We'll melt down those dollars and we'll make you a special gold medal. Irrational fears first. I just want the Climate Act. <laughs> yeah. We want the Climate Act too. Thank you very much, Sally Stegall. Now, before we go, Gabby has written us a song to see us out. It's about um, an event that happened this week, Gabby. Basically, yes, the Melbourne Cup happened this week and I, I've never really supported the Melbourne Cup much in my life, ever. Um, except when I was six and I wanted the pony. But uh, I saw that the, another horse died um, this week. Sorry, this is sounding all very Simpsons funeral marchy. But um, I went and wrote this song because I've, I've come up with a solution. <laughs> I've come up with a solution that I think will please literally everyone, sports lovers, arts people, 
broke students like myself, everyone's happy with this. So I hope you, I hope the government somehow hear this and hear me out. <clears throat> it's shameful to think as a nation we drink and celebrate the Melbourne Cup. We place all our bets, hawk back champagne in tents while a horse coughs up a lung. Televised in disguise to the nation as a classy and fancy occasion. But instead of a horse corpse competition, here's what I'm thinking of. Why don't we just race the spectators? Chuck them on the Flemington track. Let them keep their fancy fascinators if they run the whole lap. I want to see Narelle who's missing her shoes and Daryl who's on his 12th glass of booze. Step up to the plate, stop the nation to race for the Melbourne Cup. And I'm not saying we should change the whole damn thing. There'll still be real monetary stakes on who we think we should win. School kids will dress up because they're dedicated. We add a spare cup for the most inebriated. I mean, I'm not one for sports, but one thing I know, I would watch the shit out of that show. Race the spectators, make them run for the big prize. And if someone breaks a leg, they don't have to be euthanized. Time for an equine intervention. Bring in a new kind of athletic contention. I think it would be more fun for the spectators to run in the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, swap the horse hooves for heels. Make the rich really squeal for the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, say no to horse cruelty because the spectators should be in the Melbourne Cup. Excellent. That's it for a rational fear. I, I feel very passionate about it. Just after the Climate Change Act goes live on Monday, I'll bring in my rich people should run the Flemington track. <laughs> Zali, um, if you need well. someone to write you a jingle for uh, the Climate Change I've, Act, I've got you. Gabby has got you. Please thank Gabby Bolt, Lewis Hobber, Sammy Shah, Zali Stegel. Thank you very much, everyone. Do you have anything to plug? Gabby, do you want to plug anything? Uh, I have music from two years ago on Spotify. Uh, very useful. Uh, it's, it's okay. Uh, that's there. But apart from that, nothing. Follow Gabby on TikTok and Twitter. Sammy Shah, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Um, my comedy albums are still available on thesamishah.com T-H-E-S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H.com so you can buy those if you've got a spare change Zali Segal I have a feeling I know what you're going to plug <laughs> well if you could go to climateactnow.com.au and vote, vote and support the Climate Act excellent and Lewis Hubbard what are you plugging uh, uh, not too much. I'm on holidays next week. Hey! Uh, won't be on the show. I, I guess I'm just plugging um, Yamba. I'm going to Yamba. <laughs> so if you're uh, never been there, if you're in Yamba, say hello. <laughs> Big thank you to Roadmarks, the Bertha Foundation, Go Neutral, our Patreon subscribers, Killian David, David Bluestein, Maddie Palmer, our Discord community for all their great joke suggestions this week. Also want to thank Russell Crowe, Rupert Degas, uh, and, of course, our post-producer, Jacob Round of the Teppanyaki Timeline. Until next week... There's always something to be scared of. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.